25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, 5th Line? And welcome in to another edition of Subjectively Speaking, presented by DraftKings on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy Paul. And I'm Laura Norman. And if I have said it before, I will surely say it again. There is no better general manager in the National Hockey League than Yarmo motherfucking Kekalainen. Let's crack open these long drinks, Laura. Cheers to our favorite Finn, Johnny Goudreau. Is a Columbus Blue Jacket, folks. Number three. We did it. Kent, I'm sorry, buddy. It's time to give up the number. You made it look good for the 10 games that you played. That <laughs> number belongs to Johnny Hockey. I'm excited to see what he picks as his replacement number, but he's going to look really good with that Rolex on his wrist. I cannot believe that we are recording an episode tonight to talk about the fact that the Columbus Blue Jackets have signed forward Johnny Goudreau, former Calgary Flame standout, 100-plus point-producing Johnny Goudreau to a seven-year, $9.75 million average annual value contract. I can't believe it. I It's on paper. It's been announced. We've heard Johnny Goudreau say he is over the moon about the move. I still cannot believe it tonight. I feel like I'm living in an alternative universe, um, but I never want to leave. So I'm okay with, with this situation. Um, yeah. Johnny, Johnny hockey is a Columbus blue jacket. Not only that Johnny hockey from all accounts started this conversation about coming to Columbus. He chose, he picked us. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the initial reports was that he had reached, like, that his camp had reached out to Columbus. And that is one of those things where Laura and I, I mean, like, I would, like, one day we will post the screenshots of our text messages of today. Yeah. But uh, it, it just was wild when the first reports came out that Johnny Goudreau's team and his agents might be uh, reaching out to Columbus just to get a feeler and get an understanding of what what's going on. And... I even said to you, like, this is giving very much Johnny Goudreau's team trying to drive up the price for him in in Philadelphia, in New Jersey, in New York. But the reality was, folks, is like, no, like, that wasn't the reality of the situation. And maybe maybe that could have been a nice little, like, you know, cause of, of the reaching out. But, man, no, the reason he reached out and the reason his team reached out is because Johnny Goudreau wanted to be a Columbus Blue Jacket. Of all the teams that he could have signed with, granted – you know, some teams struggle with some cap situations. I'm sure Philadelphia is is kicking themselves for not even being able to really offer what the Blue Jackets and, and what the Devils reportedly offered and what the Flames offered. But, man, it just, like, it just – it doesn't feel real. It just doesn't feel real. Well, and you kind of called this in our regular episode this week 
when you said, I'm already planning for us to record an episode on Wednesday. And we both- Don't give me that much credit. There's no way I No, no, no. I'm, I'm explaining what we thought. <laughs> we both thought it was going to be about Patrick Laine. In no world did either one of us, no. or basically anyone in the fifth line, or probably anyone working for the Blue Jackets, thought that we would be here- on Wednesday, July 13th, ironic. Oh my god, he number 13 became a blue jacket on July 13th. There it is. Yeah, no, I'm just so excited. So, never did we think we'd be talking about the second highest scorer last season in the league coming to Columbus and what a huge deal this is not only for the team but for the city of Columbus and I know for however many months and probably well well into his years with Columbus we're gonna hear all the people bitching about Columbus and how it's not a hockey town and how it's a shitty market and trust me we've already seen some of the absolutely asinine things people are saying about this decision. Um, and I am definitely very excited for his press conference tomorrow, for him to explain all the reasons why he made this decision. He left money on the table in at least four different cities to come to Columbus. So I really hope that this is just a huge fuck you <laughs> to everyone that gives us shit about our team and about our city because all stars do want to play here. Yeah, I mean, it is we, we talked about it on the show on Tuesday and it, it's just a fascinating thing because it this is not how like Columbus has ever gone about acquiring players. It, it is not. You know, prior to today, and this name is going to be a part of this, and it's going to be a full circle moment, I feel. Before today, the biggest Blue Jackets free agent signing was Gus Nyquist. It was a four-year, $5.5 million contract, and obviously we have gone far beyond eclipsing that today, folks. And it just it is an expensive way to do business. We talk about this. And honestly, when we talk about the Blue Jackets' other signing for the day, like – we, we can talk about how the cost of doing business in a free agent market is sometimes overpaying. This is a bargain deal for a guy like Johnny Goudreau, right? Like he is somebody who has a market value that is higher than he is eligible to be paid in the NHL. And for the Jackets to lock him up for, for 9.8 million, when original reports said that the Blue Jackets put an offer out of seven years, $12 million dollars hear that right like seven years 12 million dollars i am i will be honest with you and say that i like my heart sank because i'm like that feels like a lot like that feels like quite the commitment to see that number come in under 10 million absolutely shocking to me that the jackets and yarmulke were able to get that deal done at that price you know we've said it for the last 20 plus years that it's hard to get free agents to sign in columbus for a myriad reasons it's not anymore, it might seem. It might seem that this is a place that players want to be. And that is something that I think we have been trying to shake off of our back for the better part of the last five years. 
is saying that Columbus is a place that players want to play. And it's clear to me and it's clear to everybody in the NHL tonight that for whatever reason, and he is going to give those reasons uh, at one o'clock on Thursday, that he wanted to be a Blue Jacket. He wants to play hockey in Columbus and more power to him. He can come on over. He, yep, come on through, Johnny. This is your town now, my friend. Uh, and you're coming over with your teammate, Eric Branson, who the Blue Jackets signed to a four-year, $4 million contract as well. Uh, right shot defenseman, who's somebody who I think was kind of on some po- folks' lists in terms of potential targets for the Blue Jackets. Um, Yarmulke Kalainen went so far as to say that that was his number one target of the day. Funny enough that uh, his number one target of the day, far, far more underwhelming than <laughs> what happened later in the day. No disrespect to Eric Branson, but man, what a day to be a Blue Jackets fan. Yes, I absolutely want to talk about Branson's contract in a second. But I wanted to read this tweet that I saw because it just filled me with such pride because you also know how I feel about this other person. But Shayna, who is a writer for The Athletic and does a bunch of other... I was going to reference the tweet. This is so gold. Um, And so I just want to read her tweet. So shout out to her because I've learned so much from her Twitter and her articles, like inclusivity. Love that girl. Okay. Um, So this tweet just filled me with so much joy. Um, she said the last elite winger to make it to unrestricted free agency was Artemi Panarin and the blue jacket, the blue jackets lost him a few years later, they signed the next elite winger to make it to the open market wild. Like, look at that. Like if you're not proud simply from that, like statistic and especially like the last couple years that we've had as a team that sort of like the rough situation we've had when, you know, Bob and Artemi um, and Matthew Shane left and like, and then follow that up a couple of years later with Nick and Cam and Seth and Savard, like we've taken some huge hits emotionally as a team going through this rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, and, and learning to be open to like that we're going to have some rough moments as we get through this but then to see and I, I hope that he will say this then to see someone as huge six-time all-star player say that he or hopefully will say that the plan that Yarmo and this team have in place is something that inspires him that is driving him to come to this city that he wants to be a part of like and for seven years, like that's the biggest contract you can sign in free agency. You can only sign up to seven years, eight years is for extensions. And like, that is so major, so yeah. major. Absolutely. And we are really lucky to be friends with some really amazing people who have a lot of really great thoughts on hockey. One of them very specifically, is uh, our friend Dina Weinheimer, who we welcome into the show now. Dina, how's it going? Dina is the managing editor, or one of the managing editors, I should say, for Field Pass Hockey, traditionally covering minor league hockey. But Dina, I'm putting you on the spot as a Columbus Blue Jackets fan tonight. How are you feeling, my friend? As somebody who has been there from day one, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's amazing. So a friend of mine, you all might know him as at Jacket Addicts on Twitter. 
a few years ago brought me this lovely little bobblehead of Johnny Gaudreau in the Calgary Flames uniform. And I always thought, oh, you look a little uh, out of place in our CBJ fan cave that my husband Gary and I have. Well, not anymore. This is amazing. This is a franchise-altering day in one of the best ways possible. Undoubtedly. And it just, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier, like just how unreal it feels. You don't ever, like you go into days like this with some understanding of what your team might be looking to do. The rumors, I mean, we say that free agency and conversations can start at noon on free agency, but we all know that they start well before then. And, and we start to hear things and we start to know, okay, you know, New Jersey and New York and maybe Philadelphia are, are your three teams you need to look out for when it comes to Johnny Goudreau. It turns out Dark Horse, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think as a fan base, it's just such a, 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 a unique way to celebrate the day in terms of having no idea that this was happening. If anything, Blue Jackets fans might have been on the lookout for some Patrick Lyon news today. They don't get that, but instead they get Johnny Goudreau. That could complicate some things down the line. Dina, how are you feeling about just the potential like complications in cap management and roster management uh, that Yarmulkekalina now finds himself in after having acquired Johnny Goudreau? But isn't it a good problem to have though, where you have an elite player like Johnny Goudreau that not only can score, but man, can he make the play? And then you have Patrick Line sitting there. That's an RFA that you control his rights. But you also have, you know, you have pieces that would have some value on the market. So, yes, there's going to have to be some finagling. You know, we're going to have to say goodbye to some players that we've all fallen in love with um, over the last few seasons. But this is a good problem to have. And as a Columbus Blue Jackets fan and as someone that has been covering the Cleveland Monsters for the last three years, this is a problem that the Jackets normally don't have. Normally they're having to spend, spend, spend for people to even get here. But now they have people that want to be here. So now they got to figure out how to get them all in. It's unprecedented for this franchise. Yeah, I can't wait um, to hear everyone tomorrow after his press conference go, Oh, he's just saying that like he just he didn't really he really wanted to go to Philadelphia, but the money wasn't there, like all this sort of stuff, because we know it's going to happen. It's been happening all day. Um, Everyone's saying he's not coming to Columbus and Columbus is just a a ploy to get other teams to offer him more money. Um, And we, we said it earlier, but originally the rumor was Yarmo offered him 12 million dollars. And we got him for under 10. So, like, clearly there's a bigger motivation. And he's he's excited about this opportunity. And I think, personally, it's going to make Line A more open to having this discussion. And maybe not a whole lot, obviously, because he is a top-tier player. But maybe even agree to come in at a lower price because of how much better he's going to get playing with Johnny. Yeah, I was shocked too whenever the words first or the news first started coming out earlier this afternoon about, oh, Columbus has jumped in just to get the market going, I think was 
vaguely what what was being said and then you know they're being they're offering up to 12 mil and i'm just thinking that's not a yarmo move he doesn't get involved just to help some player get a market going you know he could care less about that kind of thing but then you know we find out okay uh, allegedly johnny reached out first to columbus saying you guys are one of my top picks and then we start hearing you know now it's like, okay, apparently like a rink that his dad owns, Eric Robinson's mom worked at, you know, that these two were friends back in high school or they knew each other as, as younger kids. And it's just like, okay, all these pieces are starting to line up. Plus it's closer to home than Calgary. You know, he's, you know, young man uh, hearing that he wants to start a family soon. I mean, it's, it's the perfect place. And I'm just happy to finally, hopefully, get that old adage of nobody wants to play in Columbus. Just bury that, put it to rest. I will say it was hard for me not to go back to the reports from a week or two ago where the thought was that the Blue Jackets had basically, and specifically Yarmulkekalina, had basically told Julian Brisebois that, hey, we'll claim Ryan McDonough for you. We're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to hold on to them. And then that comes out to be like total BS, right? Like I'd be lying to you if I said that when the reports today broke that Johnny Goudreau and Columbus kind of seemed like they might be a match. That's what it felt like. It felt like it was something that Yarma was going to be like, okay, like calm down. Almost like an agent fed it somewhere to try to, to try again to up the price. And, and when that doesn't end up being the case, I mean, it is just, Shocking is like a word that I'm using a lot right now. I don't think it's shocking that any player would want to be here. I think just generally speaking, it is a is a shocking thing to adjust to as a Blue Jackets fan right now, knowing that Johnny Goudreau is a part of the future of this franchise. And and honestly, it doesn't feel dramatic to say that this might be one of the biggest moments in franchise history. I mean, like it's it feels like you know, I it's Laura and I going back and forth earlier today talking about how weird it might be to have two superstars on a team in a, in a player like Patrick Laine and Johnny Goudreau. And I was like, let's look at the Stanley Cup champions for the last however many years. You can't look at these rosters and not see multiple superstars on them. I mean, just, I mean, Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon just recently here, just a few weeks ago, among others on that roster, <laughs> I'm probably minimizing it. And then you look at, you know, you look at Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov and, you know, Victor Hedman in, in Tampa Bay. And then you go even further back and you think about like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Jonathan Taves and Evander Kane, or not Evander Kane, my God, Patrick Kane. Like, it's like, you, you can't, you can't find a Stanley Cup champion without multiple all-stars and multiple superstars on it. And the Jackets are that now. And it's not unrealistic to think that this team might compete for trophies in the next three to five years. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think it really was shocking because in the days or the week leading up to free agency, like some of the bigger pieces you heard, okay, Darcy Kemper is going to Washington. We've known that for days. There were several others that were, okay, these are the teams that are in on this player. Like yesterday, okay, Andrew Kopp, is definitely going to be going to Detroit. There were so many players that we knew days or close to a week ahead of time where they're going to go, but nobody knew where, where Goudreau was going to go. It was rumored, you know, okay, these were the ones in play. Turns out 
you know, like Philly really wasn't even in and Columbus was a name never mentioned. We are the dark horse and I love it. <laughs> I am totally here for it. Like I just, I love, I mean, we're an underdog for sure. And, but I love like the people who are confused, but not in a bad way. Like, they're just like, what have we been missing out with Columbus? And like, there've been, we've retweeted them on our account, but like, there've been so many like analysts and reporters that have been like, all of you have no idea how cool Columbus is. Like, it's one of our favorite cities to travel to. We have such a good time. Nationwide is beautiful. Like, all these things. And it's like, yes, all of those things. Like, and even the statistics of like, how much faster Columbus is growing versus New York City and Chicago and Los Angeles. Like, we're freaking cool too, man. So like, it's about time people see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've lived in Ohio my entire life. And I've always thought it was a bit underrated. I mean, I love living here. I've, you know, been around the state. I've traveled a lot of places, but Columbus is so vastly underrated. And I just want to read this one tweet that I found earlier on from one of the local reporters, Jared Smalley at NBC4. And this is the tweet that kind of sold it all for me. And I, like, this was like right after Johnny Gaudreau got announced. And he said, worth wondering out loud if the CBJ can also get line A re-signed. If Elvis can play to his capabilities, if Johnson and Sillinger follow their trajectory, if the blue liners develop physically, that's a team which can at least compete for trophies. I was like, yes, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Is it October um, yet? Oh. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard. It's hard to not imagine that sooner rather than later, this team is going to be back in the Stanley Cup playoffs and they're going to be back to doing what they did best in 2019. And that's making it difficult on on teams while also having a really really deep skill set and that's where they find themselves now uh you know as we're recording this some initial quotes from johnny goudreau are kind of starting to to come via uh aaron portsline who got a chance to chat with him and uh just a little note here apparently johnny goudreau quote was i'd never been to columbus before until i made it to the nhl so when i started playing there i didn't know what i was walking into and i was just wow but it was more than that. I played in the world with Zach Wierenski. I've known Eric Robinson for like 15 to 20 years and some former guys like Cam Atkinson and Dalton Prout, which like shout out Dalton Prout. That's the first time I've ever said this name on the podcast. Um, Aww, <laughs> those Robert. guys were just, right. Those guys were just like, you're going to absolutely love the place. He's in Eric Robinson's wedding later this summer. He said, um, right. I know. Uh, Johnny Goudreau on his relationship with the Nationwide Arena Cannon. That cannon kind of scares me a little bit. I've had a run-in with that cannon a couple of times. I used to not want to hear it. Now I want to hear it all the time. Hopefully we'll get that thing really blasting this season and has a baby on the way that is due in late September. So uh, we're going to have uh, another Blue Jacket baby. Uh, and he said, hopefully the boys will let the new guy off for a couple of hours so I can witness that in person. So just all in all, just like such a feel good night here in Columbus. Am I right or am I right? Like I won't accept being wrong about this one. You are correct. 100% correct. But I didn't know that about like Wierenski and stuff. But yeah, I mean, hockey is such a small world. Yeah. And I love hearing, like I knew that Cam Atkinson loved it here. 
Um, like I know he, oh, I guess I shouldn't say I know, but I heard that like, even after he moved, sold his house, he came back and bought his house again, you know, to, to stay there and just to have guys like him and Dalton Prout and, you know, like I know at least with, with Eric Goodbranson, like um, Rick Nash, you know, those, those, their friends and he was selling the city and Derek Dorsett, you know, that these guys are selling the city to these younger players. I know good Branson isn't younger, but I wonder if that wasn't part of a sweetener on this deal too, if you kind of think about it, but yeah, that makes me so happy. And that tells me that hopefully Eric Robinson will be safe um, from whatever turmoil is about to happen to clear up some cap space, because I mean, you, I, I wouldn't think they'd want to trade him whenever, you know, you're they're close to your star player. I I had him as somebody who was on my list as a potential trade this season just because prior to this because of the way that things have shaped out in the Blue Jackets bottom 6 recently, but yeah, I agree with you. It's hard to justify and and let's be honest, 1.6 million getting that off of the cap would be nice, but we need a little bit more. <laughs> shaved off the top there than just an Eric Robinson contract. So I totally agree with you. Something tells me that Robbie might find himself to be a little safe. I'm sure he's caught. He called him and thanked him quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it could, it could maybe make his wedding a little awkward if uh, Johnny's the reason why um, Robbie has to be uprooted (laughs) Um, since they are such good friends and, I mean, I got emotional hearing that he's going to be in Robbie's wedding because I love that kind of shit. Um, and of course, that he's having a baby because bring on all the Blue Jacket babies. Like, just bring them on. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it'll be weird if, if Robbie gets axed in this situation. Oh, I'm not even putting that out into the universe because we're actually really good friends with... Um, the the guy that runs the Robinson's Renegade account and on his behalf, like we're not going to put that out in the universe because we do not want to spoil that that friendship <laughs> at all. Yeah, because remind me, uh, who he was not always Robinson's Renegades. Who was he before Robinson's Renegades? Anderson's was, Artillery. Yeah, that's uh, what it Josh was. Yeah. Account. I was like, he's been hurt before. I just want to make sure that we don't do that to. To them again, but uh, I've got two more questions for you, Dina, before I cut yes. you loose, because I know that you are a busy human being, and I want to be respectful of your sleep schedule, because Laura and I don't know how to record a podcast when it's still light outside, but uh, <laughs> I get it. You know, you, you kind of brought it up a little bit. Just want to get some of your, like, initial thoughts on the Eric Branson deal. What, I mean, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. I don't think people are really talking about it at this point. Uh, obviously, definitely not the the free agent signing of the day for the blue jackets but he gets four years four million per just what are your i mean your initial thoughts might be different than your thoughts now but um what are your thoughts as we speak on in terms of of this deal and you are 100 percent correct again in that my thoughts at you know 9 10 11 p.m are way different than what it was you know what was it like 2 2 30 or whatever time that deal got announced because it's like yes i know that we that like the jackets need more physicality on defense because some of the like 
that team got manhandled at points last season because there wasn't the size because a lot of our defense is so young. Like who is older and more physically mature? You got Wierenski and Gavrikov. Okay. You, you know, you lost a lot of those big bodies, so they needed that. And it's like, okay, is that really the going rate for a player of that age? Um, but now seeing Gaudreau come in, it all kind of makes sense. Like I, I, I would love to hear more down the road about how this all came together. Like, was this kind of a, a package deal or was this a case of, we know that Gaudreau is a potential, let's get somebody that he was close with in Calgary that, you know, we can get for, for a few years. Um, but I'm still not a fan of that term, though, especially with that um, no move, you know, a partial no yeah. move no, or no trade or whatever the wording is on that. That's the one that really worries me. But who knows? He could go out and just be the shot blocking maestro that David Savard was and I'll be forgotten and we'll all be happy little fifth liners. Who knows? I think it. I think. It definitely goes understated how much we miss David Savard on this team for not just who David Savard is as a human, but also like just what he contributed on the ice. I know this team has missed that, and maybe Erica Branson can bring that. Yeah, because uh, the fifth line was big mad this afternoon. <laughs> um, like I saw people like, I'm going to get rid of my season tickets, and this is the worst, you know, contract in history, and like, I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of this contract either. Um, I do think it is a, a big jump in payment for what he was making in Calgary. But, um, and I don't necessarily love the four year situation, but Jeremy and I talked about it earlier. And like, I think something that gets lost in translation for some fans is like the actual amount of time that it takes a draft pick or a prospect to actually be ready to play in the NHL. And like, I know that like we had this luck of the draw with Cole and even with, you know, Kent Johnson, like it, we've had those sort of like lucky moments, but like, look at Liam Foodie, like everyone was like, Oh my gosh, he's going to jump right in. Blah, 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 blah. We're what, like three years into this situation. And like, he's definitely maturing and getting there. But, and when we spoke to Yarmo, you know, he said with a draft pick, you can expect two to five years for them to be ready. And like, I think that's perfectly understandable, but so many people think that the NHL draft works the same way as all of the other drafts, like football, baseball, basketball, like that those people just need to immediately have a space, um, you know, to, to go on this team and they don't. So we, we can keep him around for that, that four years and let like the top three defensive prospects get the proper amount of time, not have to rush them, give them some time in Cleveland to let Cleveland spirits get raised a little bit too. Like, so it's just, it's a matter of perspective. And I think that that part of it gets lost for people, but it'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Not everybody, not every draft pick is a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews where they come out you know, they're 
true rookie season, fresh, you know, first year. Sorry, I have my dogs that are going crazy underneath my desk and they're knocking everything over right now. I am so oh, sorry. You're all good. <laughs> Tell Jazzy I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one knocking everything over. So, yeah, my sincere apologies. I'll just be a pretty colorful screen right now. Um, but not everybody is going to be that kind of player. And that's when we really need to listen to the experts here, especially for defensive men. It takes them a little bit longer. It seems like forwards are the first to really get there. And then defensemen, and then of course, goalies bringing up the back end in terms of uh, development. So it's going to take a bit. I'm hoping that the deal doesn't come back to bite the team in the rear end here, but right. uh, ultimately we will see how this all goes. Absolutely. We will. And the jackets, uh, Aaron Portsline also uh, kind of breaking the news that this contract is a, obviously a seven year deal, but in the first four years is a total no movement clause. And then in the last three years is a modified no trade clause. So uh, obviously big, Big for the Jackets, big for Johnny Goudreau to lock that up. Uh, speaking of movement, there's going to be some movement. And, Dina, my last question to you before we, we cut you loose to handle the pups there is, who do you think is the one that goes? Who do you think we have to say goodbye to as Blue Jackets fans as a result of this move? As much as I love him and it pains me to say – I think it's going to be Nyquist because I don't know who would take on that board check contract. I think we would have to give up less to deal Nyquist and have someone take on all or at least part of that contract um, than we would Voracek. I think we would have to give up way too many prospects or maybe even a higher level roster player to get rid of that because that's that's a big one. Um, yeah, uh, it, it pains me so much to say because I am a Gus Nyquist fan. I liked him for several years now before he came to, to Columbus and it hurts to say that, Oh, but yeah, I think he's going to be the big piece that ultimately goes. And it sucks too, because he he loves it here. And like even his statements at the trade deadline where he was like, I really don't want to be traded. Like, I believe in what we have building here and I want to be a part of it. And it's like you you're so excited that this big all-star player wants to come, and then you sort of realize, like, in order to keep your other big all-star player that you've been, you know, chasing around for the last few months you're going to have to get rid of someone who actively wants to be here because their contract is big. Like that's the shitty, like, and it's sad to be like, cause you, Gus was the biggest contract we had in free agency. And now he's going to potentially get booted out by the new biggest contract that we've had in free agency. So it does suck. That uh, God, it, it does. It really hurts, but you know, I don't think they want to give up, you know, a Sean Corrali, you know, or I mean, Dustin Danforth came out of nowhere. I'm, but you know, 975 K is only going to go so far, but you know, it's either get, get rid of like 
a Voracek or a Nyquist, or else you're looking at multiple of Bjorkstrand, Roslovic, Corrali, Robinson, Wierenski, Gavrikov, Boquist. Like, it would be multiples of them. I really don't want to do that. Yeah, that's definitely the less palatable of all of the options that we've talked about without a doubt. And and thankfully, I think you make a good point about assets. Is I don't think that the Jackets are going to find themselves in a similar situation as the Golden Knights trading away today, like Max Pacioretty and I think Nick Coughlin, is that right? For yes. quite literally nothing for future considerations from the Hurricanes. And so I don't think we're quite there yet here in Columbus. I think you'll get something perhaps out of some of those guys, but it's definitely going to be a task to get somebody to take on those contracts. Dina, I cannot thank you enough for hopping on, giving us your unfiltered feedback on the day's actions for the Blue Jackets. I know all of our listeners are going to really appreciate that too. So as you know, always, you are welcome here anytime. I am so glad to finally be back. I know we've been talking about it a little bit. Um, So I'm glad we got this, this done. And uh, thanks for having me on again. It's always, always fun. Anytime. We'll make sure that the next time you're on, it isn't because of a seismic move that happened in the middle of the day. And we wanted your, your feedback, but uh, we'll, we'll plan ahead next time. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. Perfect. Well, everybody, again, that is Dina Weinheimer, Field Pass Hockey, one of her, one of the managing editors for Field Pass Hockey, I should say, specifically in the AHL coverage. She's an all-star. You're going to want to follow her at FPHAHL. A lot of really good content there. Dina, you are simply the best. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Laura. Take care. So, yeah, I think, I think Dina says it all. I think Dina is absolutely, as we all know, somebody who knows this team inside and out and and it's always great to hear from her i those quotes fire me all the way up from Johnny Gaudreau about about Columbus and about just the ambassadors who have told him that Columbus is where he should be it's just absolutely outstanding but i think we have to eventually at some point turn our conversation to what could be next i hate it can't they I just know. like decide to raise the cap limit a little bit just for us tampa gets around it why can't we um, Well, because none of our none of our players are all too broken at this point i think the only way that would happen is if somebody like boone jenner wasn't recovered from his injury and had to go on long-term ir at the start of the season that's definitely not something that you're hoping happens if you're a blue jackets yeah. fan but yeah, I, I mean, I think we're all on the same page. I think we agree with Dina, and I think that we both kind of see Gus Nyquist as as a potential candidate here for a trade, and that really sucks, <laughs> like, in a way that I can't really describe. I, I think he is really important to this team, and I just – I here's here, – follow up, saying what we always say. In Yarma, we trust. Whatever he does to make this cap situation work, I don't worry all too much. I think for the last few years, we've heard conversations about how do all of these GMs find their way around the cap? How do this? How do that? The Jackets have never found themselves in a spot where they have to try to navigate the cap, at least in recent memory. And now we're here. We're here where the Jackets have to do that. And I know general manager has shown me that they're just as equipped for this without actually doing it, then you're on a Like I have no doubt that we're going to, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully agree. I mean, I think the last time we really had to think about it was 
in 2019 when we were offering to make our Timmy Panarin the highest paid player in the NHL. And um, he said a big, you don't have garages, fuck you to us and went on off to New York. So, um, so yeah, this is like a new thing for us. And, you know, when it comes to guests, I, someone replied to one of our tweets today saying that they thought it would be Gus because he's underperformed and no offense to this person, but like that is completely ridiculous. Like Gus had one of the best seasons of his career this past season after being out for an entire season with an injury. Like he was able to play 82 games and sadly I'm getting like PTSD flashbacks because Gus did like this really sweet interview today during the free agency frenzy live stream on YouTube that the team did where he just like could not talk enough about like how much he loves the team and how much he loves Columbus and like, you know, how he was excited to see like who we pick up or if we didn't pick up and like how he was looking forward to um, like training camp and stuff. And he had watched the draft And so it very much just reminds me of last year when Cam was at the draft party, signing autographs, uh, doing interviews, like being a part of the event. And then 12 hours later, found out that he was no longer a Columbus Blue Jacket. Like it's definitely giving me that vibe of like, unfortunately having to send away another quote unquote, Mr. Blue Jacket. Um, And Gus really has been like, in this last year, he stepped up in such a way. And I know we talked about all of this, so I won't drone on too much. We talked about it in his player review from the season. But it's going to be a big sort of like leadership loss for us as well. Um, not only losing his skill, but losing his presence in the locker room, losing what he brings to helping to mentor and teach like all of these young guys. And like, again, I I do not think you can say that he underperforms because truly whatever team he potentially goes to, if he even goes like, this is all just, we're making it sound like we know what Yarmo is going to do. Like if he were to go, whatever team he goes to is going to be super lucky to have him. Like, so I don't know. I'm always the one that gets emotional, but I will miss him. I'll miss anyone because it's going to have to be someone of note. I'm going to miss anyone who leaves us. Um, Cause that's just how I am. I literally miss everyone that goes with the exception of like a couple people. <laughs> Hopefully one of them just pisses you off enough before they get traded to where you can be okay and use spite as your coping mechanism for them getting traded. That's what I'm rooting for, for you <laughs> uh, in this experience, because it will be tough, but uh, we'll make it through it again. Like Dina said, what a problem to have to be able to, you know, have to look at this situation and think of who you have to lose who's not going to be the most, you know, advantageous to your your future as an organization. I think that's another reason why you have to look at Gus Nyquist as somebody who gets dealt because only having one year left on his deal, it's probably not – like, he's probably not somebody that the Blue Jackets re-sign, like, if I'm honest. Like, even at the end of this season, like, if he sticks around, like, when you think about the depth chart of this team, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. And so – 
why not hold on to the guys like an Oliver Bjorkstrand who signed and has some term left on his deal. And also we don't talk enough about how the, uh, the Oliver Bjorkstrand contract is like actually like a super team friendly contract too. I mean, that contract would have a lot of value if it was getting, uh, if it was getting dealt, but man, I, it's hard for me not to get excited. Let me, let me just say this out loud. Are you ready? Okay. Patrick Laine, Johnny Goudreau, Cole Sillinger, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Kent Johnson, Kuro Martenko. Am I forgetting somebody in the top six there? Jakob Voracek? Jakob Voracek, yeah. I mean, no. you give, and I guess I, I say this in terms of like, looking toward the future and maybe Voracek's not a part of that necessarily. But when you look at that, you have to be excited. You have to be pumped. And I'm, and I'm definitely, I could go on for hours and hours and hours, courtesy of the long drinks that I've smashed in recording, just talking about how excited I am about this. But I think that that just says it all. And, you know, the Eric Branson deal, it is what it is. I think, Ultimately, and I and I think I said this to you earlier today. When you look at how long it's going to take for players like David Yurichak, Denton Matejchuk, and even honestly players like Stanislav Svodsol, Corson Kulemans, I mean, like we're still talking like two or three years before those players are really making meaningful impacts for this team. And when they do, they're going to be on entry level contracts. I think that this team, in terms of cap space, is actually okay on the blue line. Obviously, the Zach Wierenski deal is heavy, but I think he's worth every penny. So I, I think we're not too worried at this point about that. I think it's just a matter of we got to unload some of these forwards and we got to do it quick. Yeah, and I think, too, like him coming on also gives an opportunity for some of our current, like, defensemen, you know, Adam Boquist, Jake Bean, like, to really – like, to really continue – growing into their game because both of them are super young still. Like they definitely have a high level of skill, but like they're still like adjusting. still finding their rhythm, like all that sort of stuff. So having him, you know, on there gives them a little bit more freedom and ability to like know that there's another person that like is really strong in what he does. And especially like we need, people who aren't afraid to throw other people into the boards. Like we need enforcers. This team got just pushed around all over the place by almost every team in this league this past season. And, and we, I mean, yes, we, we scored the most goals we've ever scored as a franchise. We also let in the most goals we've ever had as a franchise. So like, as much as people want to talk about center depth, center depth, center depth, like these situations, Yarmo knows the structure that he wants for this team. Brad Larson knows the structure that they want for this team. And as much as we want to try and debate about it, absolutely not a single one of us has any idea what this grand plan looks like. But you just got to, and yeah, we're not going to always be super pumped on the decisions that they make, or there's always going to be someone who hates a decision, like, and feels slighted for however long. But like, that's kind of the part of point of being like a sports fan. Like, 
from what I understand, I am only almost five years into this situation. Um, and I, and I texted one of our friends today, Pashi, who has been a lifelong sports fan. Um, and I said, like, I have cried multiple times today over how proud I am of my team, like finally getting the recognition it deserves and really making waves. And I'm sad that I haven't been a part of it for longer. And I know that I would have seen some really rough years and I may have regretted it, but I am, I'm sad that this wasn't a part of my life earlier um, because like, it's so exciting and weird, like as a fan and now trans, you know, like transsexually like working ish with the team, like in this project, like, it's exciting to be a part of this ride with them and like to be a part of like, even in the shitty, shitty days, <laughs> it is exciting to be on this, on this ride with them. And, you know, today is a, today is an incredible day and it's a day like they said on the skate space, like Bob McGilligan asked Jeff Sabota, like, is this a situation where years from now you're going to remember the day that Johnny Grudeau became a blue jacket? And he said, yes, I will absolutely remember. And I think a ton of the fifth line, well, especially now that we've put the pieces together that number 13 became a blue jacket on July 13th. Um, but I, I do, I think this is like the biggest, one of the biggest moments in this franchise's history. Absolutely. And I think I speak for both of us when I say, but I cannot imagine uh, what is in store for the next few months, weeks, days, hours. But it's just an exciting time to be a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I think what might be the best part about this is also like the realistic expectations of what this means for the team and, and where they might be at next year. I don't think anybody on the fifth line is saying, hey <laughs> – this team's winning a cup next year. I don't think anyone's there yet. I think what people are really looking forward to is the next three to five years. This team is going to be absolutely electric, and they're going to be really hard to stop in three to five years. And uh, by the time that we're on season seven of Subjectively Speaking, we're talking about that. It's just going to be the most epic time, and I can't wait for it. So buckle up. Buckle up, folks. It's going to and, be great. And I will have forced Jeremy to move back to Ohio by that point. So... Um, Run me my check. If somebody wants to, I will name my price to any institution of higher education that wants me to work with their fraternities and sororities. I will give you a number. And if you can match it, I'm there. <laughs> I, I may or may not have asked him if he could move home today so that he could just be here. Was no, unfortunately. The answer I know. was not a job, but sadly no. But uh listen, I am just as tuned in now as ever before. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to recap, <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets have signed forward Johnny Gaudreau and defenseman Eric Goodbranson uh, here on the... We didn't first. even we didn't even talk about the first thing that Yarmo did today. I don't even remember. He gave our number six and number 12 draft picks their entry-level contracts. <laughs> That's that's protocol. I'm not even worried about that. That's fine. Congratulations, Congratulations boys. Dead, We're very proud. Dead Matejchuk, you don't matter today. <laughs> this is the biggest day of your life. I don't care. 
I there was there was awesome. a tweet that I saw that said I wish there was a like footage of because all of all of the prospects that were here for development camp um, were at Top Golf tonight, and someone was like, I really wish there was like video footage of all of them reacting to the news that Johnny Hockey was now a part of the same team that they are associated with. Cause I think that would have been like super special. Um, Cause I'm sure they were pumped. Oh, I it had to have been a lot of fun over at Polaris tonight. If there's anybody who saw them there, uh, you'll have to let us know. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to check out, but man, Laura, is there any final thoughts that you have on, on this momentous day for, for the Columbus blue jackets? Um, no, I'm just really excited. I'm also, I just realized, um, that I'm nervous to take my, my blood pressure because I I think it's probably going to be elevated. (laughs) So I'm going to have to explain that to my doctor tomorrow, but it's all worth it because Johnny Grudeau is a motherfucking blue jacket and this is the best day. It surely is. Yeah, you just let them know that you're a Blue Jackets fan and maybe they'll understand. But but yeah, same sentiments for me. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, there are moments, I think, where things were pretty bleak in terms of feeling like nobody wanted to be here. And I think that uh, out of our blue, we have risen. We have. And today, Columbus, Ohio, the 614 the Columbus Blue Jackets end the day on top of the hockey world. And they are the center of the hockey world. And that's pretty fucking cool. Couldn't agree more. So shit's about to get crazy. Shit's about (laughs) to get wild. And the only way, probably not the only way, but our favorite way that you can keep track of all the crazy shit that's happening and you can, you know, connect with us it's through our social media and it's through our other channels of communication and or services that we provide as a podcast. So Laura, I think on this, the, the Johnny hockey episode of the subjectively speaking podcast, um, tell the folks where they can find our bullshit. (laughs) Absolutely. It's only my like second or third favorite thing in life to do. Um, so yes, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook at subjectively speaking. If you would like to learn more about us, uh, more just get general links to all of these things that I'm telling you about. Uh, you can check out our website, subjectively speaking.com. If you would like to support us in our future endeavors, uh, Finland, various other things. Um, you can check out our merch store, subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. We are, and I know I keep saying this, but we are 100% working on new merch to add to the store that we're very excited about. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, also new to this little spiel, uh, we have been nominated for two Columbus Podcast Awards. We are nominated for Entertainment Podcast of the Year as well as Podcast of the Year. This is like such a huge, like huge, very grateful, humbling moment for Jeremy and I. We work very hard on this show. We love doing this show. And to like 
get a little bit of recognition for all the hard work that we do, like just feels really great. But we need your vote. Um, voting is open until August 1st. You can vote every single day. We found that out. So if you would like to show us a little support and send a few votes our way, just visit Columbus Podcast Awards dot com backslash nominations and you can scroll through the categories and you can find subjectively speaking and show us a little love and then lastly you can rate review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on uh, especially if you're on apple podcasts scroll on down hit five stars it is our favorite number and we are desperately trying to get to 50. Um, we are only three away. We have 47 right now. So um, if you haven't shown us a little love on there yet, please do. Again, we don't know how the algorithm works, um, but we do know that all of those things, likes and comments and subscriptions helps us uh, get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps us to build um, this little community of ours. So other than that, we just love you all so much that we do and until we get the chance to talk next time which currently is planned for next tuesday i can't guarantee anything uh it might be sooner it might be later you might have another episode tomorrow who knows who knows when this is going to happen but until then enjoy this fifth line this is huge a momentous day for our franchise and we cannot wait to see where this goes we'll be with you every step of the way we hope you take care of yourselves and we hope you take you can't what? I'm gonna redo that. I'm gonna redo that whole damn thing. Um, we hope you take care of yourselves and we hope you take care of each other. Bye.